you're listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 66. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. I'm super pumped and excited for this episode, as I am for all episodes, really. (laughs) I don't know if that necessarily has ever changed. I say that at the beginning of all of the episodes. Um, This week, I'm going to be bringing to you an episode with substantially less rambling than last week's episode, because I've actually built some show notes for this one. I do appreciate all of you. Always, always do I appreciate you for listening and tuning into the show and and giving me feedback via the many social media channels that are available to us nowadays. In last week, um, because of the the accident and my healing and just because I just got on the microphone and started talking, it it did end up becoming very close to a one-hour session between us. And uh, I from what I hear, there was some really good juicy nuggets in there. It just may have been difficult to locate <laughs> because of, uh, I just was up and down last week. I was all over it. I think I was just extremely emotional to get back on the microphone. I know it was only a week away from you guys, but still, um, there's just a, the a grounding that comes from these moments that we have together. And this week has been equally amazing and challenging as all weeks are. You know, it's not life that can suck. It's just, no, hold on. It's not sobriety that can suck. It's just life. <laughs> uh, to the point where I almost messed up my one of my favorite quotes. Um, it is not sobriety that sucks. It is just life. And sometimes it hands us some things that we're just not prepared for. It certainly has handed me a great deal of things that I was not ready to, uh, to uh, try to assimilate into and figure out. Um, and really, hasn't this been the entire corona quarantine? You know, depending on when you got dropped into stay home and stay safe orders, for me, it's been nine weeks. You know, you're looking at close to two to, two to three months, depending on what your field was and what city and state and blah, blah, blah that you happen to uh, reside in. And so here I am coming up on nine weeks. I think we can all agree that this has just been a ton of stuff that we were never given a kind of uh, rule book or manual to handle. Uh, I, th- I think that, you know, regardless of what aisle you fall on, I'm sure you've got some pretty strong opinions on how the politicians in your uh, county, city, state, uh, the federal have, have handled this, uh, regardless of where you fall on left or right, Republican or Democrat, Green Party or New Age Party or Millennial Party or Gen X Party, whatever party. Um, I think it's fair enough to say at the very least that no one has a manual for how to handle a pandemic and shut down the entirety of society and then reopen it again while wanting to care about lives and also wanting other people who want to, you know, be free and run through the fields and go into the malls and and live their life as they once did, um, you know, being compassionate towards them as well. So it's very difficult, right? And uh, we can agree or disagree on whether they're handling it effectively, but we can definitely agree that there is no manual for this. And so we find ourselves where we're at and we're dealing with all of these challenges. And the word that keeps coming to mind and which will be the theme for this entire episode is patience. Patience, patience, patience. There, I mean, I get chills when I say that. So clearly, I, I'm, this is resonating with me. I hope that by the end of this episode, it's resonating with you as well. In fact, I know it will be because I think as people in addiction recovery, regardless of where you're at in your journey from sobriety to recovery, 
patience is something that many of us generally lacked in our addiction. You know, we're, we were very instant gratification oriented. We had a very lack of impulse control. That's something that me and my therapist talk about regularly is impulse control and how that was not something that was a strong value or principle that I followed in my addiction. And I'd be willing to bet for many of you, exactly the same. Similarly the same. Let's not use the definitive like exactly. Similarly the same. So we're going to talk about patience. And the reason this is ringing so strong within me today is because my book, College Success Habits, The Seven Powerful Principles to Help You Excel in College and Beyond, has been going through so many different stages of its, of its different phases, if you will, of its creation and into its birth and so that it can live amongst the masses and become a tool for people throughout their lives, not just college students and high school students, but really, I think these seven powerful principles will resonate with all of you just as easily as it will that sector of the society, if you will. I, I just geared it towards college students because one of the reasons I launched this show was to help the addicts of today, but also to be there for the addicts of tomorrow in hopes that they aren't the addicts of tomorrow. I'm not so sure I'd have read this book had somebody handed it to me in college in 1994, but it was certainly would have been nice to have known it was there, just like it would have been nice to have been emotionally mature enough to make different decisions than I made. And throughout all of this process with the book, I have had to practice a substantial amount of patience that I was not yet prepared for. I thought I could write a book, turn it in, it would get edited, I would say yes, designers would bring back a book cover, I would say yes, it would get dropped into Amazon, and boom, here comes a book 90 days later. No. <laughs> no. And we're going to go through some of the uh, the why, the what, the how and what if of patience, and I will interject within those four how I could have dealt better with the situation when it was happening and where I'm finding myself at now that Corona, the quarantine and COVID-19 are causing the um, publication and the distribution of this book to be radically delayed. Um, I didn't foresee this coming as hard as it's coming. I really thought I was going to be able to circumvent the printer issues and such, and, and that is not the case. And so now we're looking at June, maybe even a July or August release, but, you know, such is life, and uh, roll with the punches and realize that everything happens when the universe deems it to, right? I would love to have gotten sober before year 22, but it made me the person I am today. I can't go back in my time machine and butterfly effect something and hope that it would change the person I am today. That's not the way life works. We have to settle in to the world that we live in now. Be patient with ourselves and others as we all navigate it. And, uh, you know, we come out on the other side the way we come out on the other side. And you, you influence and affect what you can, and you learn to assimilate with that which you cannot change and that which you cannot influence. So let's dive into this because I'm super pumped about it, and I really want to make sure that I keep this episode under 30 minutes today since you listened to an hour-long episode last week. So uh, the quote I'd like to start off this episode with, or at least the beginning of the explanation of patience, the way I see it, is genius is eternal patience. This is according to Michelangelo. This is the guy who painted the Sistine Chapel and many other great artworks 
Talk about the patience he must have had to show as he was painting God and Jesus's fingers getting closer and closer to one another. And if you try to rush through that, all of a sudden this masterpiece, you know, doesn't look the way that it does today and is still cherished by civilization uh, because of the patience he showed in the creation of it. Um, Two of the quotes, actually it's one quote, but I'm going to give you two different perspectives on it that I've come up with about patience is an emergency in your life doesn't constitute an emergency in mine. An emergency in your life doesn't constitute an emergency in mine. Said another way is a lack of planning in your life doesn't constitute an emergency in my life. And if you've ever worked in the service industry, uh, specifically, I, I have many, many different examples of this coming from the hotel world that I have worked in for quite some time in Los Angeles, where a guest comes up to the front desk or comes into the restaurant. Oh my goodness, I'm running late. Um, how fast can you get me food? My movie's getting ready to start. My meeting's getting ready to start. Oh my goodness, I need my room ready by this time, or I need you to get me checked out, or oh my goodness, this didn't happen, front desk agent, so now I need you to work as fast as possible to make up for my lack of planning. When you walk into somebody else's world, it would be in a restaurant or a business or whatever. It could be at your job. Just think about a time when you come up to somebody else's desk and a lack of planning, a lack of seeing different variables about a situation could play out have led you to find yourself in a spot of bother. You're, you're in a pickle. You're rocked between a hard place. And now you need this person to step up and work two, three, four times as fast as they're accustomed to in order for your ass to get saved. And yes, I get that it's their job because that's where they're working and that's what they chose to do. But it doesn't mean you have to walk up and be a dick about it. <laughs> if you walk up with love and compassion and say, look, I clearly did not plan accordingly. And now this is what's happening in my life. And I'm begging you to have some compassion in this situation and do whatever you can to help me make up for my lack of planning for my error. I'm going to tell you, you're going to get a much better response from people whenever you approach them that way than if you try to come at them like, I screwed up, so now it's your job to fix it. I can assure you. So why patience is important. First and foremost, it will keep you sane. If you lack patience and you freak out everything every time something doesn't go your way, you're going to drive yourself mad. And that is no way to go through your daily life. All right, number two, it allows you to be in better control of the emotions that come from a non-instant gratification situation. You want to be in better control of your emotions when things aren't going according to the expectations that you had for any given circumstance. You go into a restaurant and you expect that you'll order food and you'll have it in less than 20 to 30 minutes. Now you walk into that same restaurant and it happens to be a sports bar and it happens to be Sunday afternoon and NFL, NBA, and NHL are all playing games and that food isn't going to come out that fast. The waiter is weeded. They they barely can keep their head afloat, let alone help the eight tables they are. And now you are going to try to get all pissy with them because things aren't going according to your expectations. Expectations are the ruination of a good time. Expectations will only bring disappointment. If you expect everything to always go well, at some point it's not. And if that's the kind of mentality you have is, well, I expected it to go well, so it better go well. And then it doesn't, a good time can be pushed aside in favor of seeing it as a bad experience instead of sitting there harping on the waiter or talking about them every time they walked away from the table. You could be having a good time with the people you're there with. Number three, it gives you the power over your response to a situation. 
right? And this situation is probably out of your control, right? It gives you the power over your response. Remember I've said before, reaction is emotionally triggered, whereas a response is a well-grounded, centered-based response. It's how you come at it. You'll see this in traveling, at your job, uh, perhaps with the way you wait for mail or you're waiting for an email. Anything that's service-oriented where you're expecting somebody else to fulfill their job in order for you to be satisfied, you're going to need to have patience at some point. It is just the fact of the matter. Patience is important. Hell, in a car, patience is important because the other side of not having patience is road rage and goodness gracious, what comes from that? It's like Russian roulette. Sure, there's more than six bullets in the gun because you might do six stupid-ass things on the way to work. But you do those same six stupid things every single day you drive to work, and it's only a matter of time before your impatience at a light so you ran that yellow causes you to T-bone somebody who was trying to turn on the yellow. This is an L.A. thing. I swear I've seen some people do some dumb, dumb stuff in order not to have to sit at at a red light. And in the, in the process, put their lives and other people's lives in danger for what? An extra 10 seconds forward? I've literally caught up to that person by the next light and been right behind them after watching them risk their lives in an in innocent car trying to turn left through an intersection's lives. Number four, having, why patience is important is because it doesn't ruin a good time. I said this before, poor service at a restaurant and talking about it the whole time is ruining the time that could be had. The waiter or waitress will get the water, the soda pop, the side of ranch. They'll get it to you. And if you have to ask four other people and then, oh my goodness, you don't get your ranch with this order of french fries. So one meal, you didn't have ranch. That's, oh boy. Yeah, it's a super bummer because I love my sauces. I totally get it. But at the same time, a week from now, is that what you're really going to remember? Unless you choose to remember that, you should be remembering the fun time that you had at the restaurant. Patience is going to be really important when we open up restaurants at the beginning of this quarantine because you're going to be going into places that are half-staffed with half capacity and they're going to have to have all these safety precautions in place. So if you're going to go out to these restaurants and be rude about how long it's taking for the food to come out or how short-staffed they are or how much lack of space there is and how long you have to wait, stay at home and keep making your ridiculously instant boring food. Do not leave your house with an impatient mindset going into it, or you will be disappointed and you're not going to exactly be the favorite amongst the restaurant staff. So now we know why patience is important. It keeps you sane. You're better in control of your emotions. It gives you power over the situation because you're in control of your response and you don't ruin a good time. What is patience? Patience isn't the act of waiting, but it is the attitude and your response to the waiting. Standing in line, tapping your foot, giving the DMV clerk a rude look every time they look your way isn't being patient. It's waiting. Patience is playing on your phone, which you probably would have been doing if you were sitting on your couch anyways. So what's the difference between waiting in the DMV or waiting in line somewhere versus waiting at home on your couch playing your phone? Which I guess you wouldn't be waiting there, but you get the point. You go to an amusement park and you expect to wait for a rather long amount of time to go on a three-minute roller coaster. You can have patience there. You better. 
but somehow you can't have 45 minutes worth of patience at a DMV to get a driver's license in an office that you hopefully won't have to attend again for, what, five to seven years? And if you do things through AAA or online, you won't have to go back until that license is officially expired because at some point they need a new picture. Patience isn't the act of waiting, but it is your attitude and your response to the waiting. Number two, understanding that most of life isn't an instant gratification situation. It is just it just isn't. And when you think that it is, you are doomed to be, just be disappointed. You are doomed to feel failure. It is not an instant gratification society. We are, we're being raised to think everything is a ping ding pong away. If I want something, I can order it in two days. It'll get here. I get 10 years from now, we're going to expect to be able to order something and just have it materialize at our front door. Some things are worth waiting for. Some things you have to wait for. Patience, number three, in my what is patience note, says patience and a good attitude will help keep you positive. It will help you keep a positive spin on a bleak, boring, repetitious situation. Again, let's go back to the amusement park. Very repetitious to wait from line to line to line to look and say, oh my God, it's two hours until we're going to be able to ride this. You can sit there and play word with friends. You can sit there and dick around on Instagram. You can sit there and you could figure out something. I mean, boy, talk about needing to be a professional at small talk. Go wait in line with your friends and family members in an amusement park. Patience helps you keep a good attitude and positive spin things. Hey, at least you're at an amusement park. You could be in the emergency room because you smashed your face at the bottom of the ocean. And that's what you get to do for the next eight hours. Or you could ride four or five roller coasters in the next eight hours. Hmm, which one? (laughs) At least you're at the amusement park. At least you have the money to afford the restaurant. At least you get to go travel. Many people don't have that. And I mean, now we're talking about some seriously deep gratitude and humility, but we've discussed that before. Gratitude and humility are the foundations of our sobriety and recovery. You want to be able to step into that gratitude and realize that it could be substantially worse. I have been stuck in some airports during ice storms where they told me 24 hours and there are no hotels. And your only, your only thing you can do right now is to just go sit over there in that chair and wait for 24 hours. And this was back before iPads and iPhones. There is only so much you can read in an airport. And there's definitely only so much sleep that you can get in one as well. So even if you're stuck in an airport for 24 hours waiting for an ice storm to pass, at least you have technology. There's always a way to positive spin things. And that's extremely important. You're not lying to yourself by saying, okay, well, this isn't a bad situation, blah, blah, blah. You're just putting a positive spin on it. Because I can guarantee you somebody across that airport is not as miserable as you are right now. Because they're just seeing it like, oh, well, at least I didn't get on the airplane and have the ice, have the wings freeze in midair and my plane come plummeting to the ground. At least they're cool enough to say, you know what? Just don't think we're going to be able to get this thing up off the ground safely. So we're going to wait. Right? Patience. Patience, patience, patience. So how to be patient? One, just take a breath, man. Take a breath. Figure out your triggers would be my second thing on how to be patient. Figure out your triggers. This happens to me at the hotel quite frequently. Uh, when a manager comes in who has basically been non-existent in the restaurant for days, weeks, months, and now all of a sudden they want to change something. 
and it's something I've grown accustomed to. I don't think it needs to be changed. Who are they to even change it? I can't believe it. What, what do you mean you want to move the coffee urn over there? You don't even know why I put it where I put it. Now you want to move it over there because you think it looks better or you think it'll help us all out? This happened at the SLS in Beverly Hills once, and I got very upset about it, got into a huge argument about it. Luckily, my manager was able to calm me down, not suspend me, let alone fire me, and just said, look, give it a week and tell me if this isn't a good decision, we'll move it back. A week later, I couldn't imagine that coffee pot not being where she had decided to put it. It was that good of a decision. I had to figure out, figure out my trigger was that somebody was telling, I, I took it as somebody was telling me I was doing something wrong and that's why they wanted to come in and change it. When in reality, they were able to step back from the situation and see it from a different perspective than I was. Knowing that if I came back a week later and said, this really isn't working, they would have been willing to go back to the way it was. They just wanted to try something new. Let's, let's think about this around the quarantine. So many of these cities and counties and states and even the federal government, especially the federal government, it's like they're afraid to just make a decision and go with it. Let's, let's try a week of letting everybody go to the beaches. Let's try a week of letting everybody go to the amusement parks. Hell, figure out a way to, to, to monitor the people who went to those things. And if in two weeks, half of them show up at a hospital with COVID, now we know that wasn't the, such a be- great idea. It wasn't the best of ideas, but we won't know until we do it. So you got to figure out their emotional trigger and say, okay, let's just be patient. Let's try it out and let's see what happens. Let's run the experiment. Life is a gigantic experiment. You try something, oh, I didn't really like that. Great. Now you know you don't really like that. Go try something else and see until you find something you really like. With the quarantine, let's try some things. We were never supposed to eradicate corona from society. We were supposed to slow down the growth of it so that our hospitals wouldn't get overrun. We have done that to the point where now they're they're letting people go and they're cutting hours and some hospitals are closing. Mission accomplished. We overcorrected so much that we're actually causing more harm to the medical field. According to some of the things I've read, your opinion is your opinion. We're actually causing more harm than good because now we're laying people off and we're closing some hospitals. Okay. Talk about an overcorrection. So figure out your triggers and then don't overreact. Right? Take as long as necessary to keep yourself from get, from emotionally reacting. Like I should have done with that coffee urn. I learned from that situation so well that in every, every situation that's come since then, when a manager steps in and wants to make a change that I may not necessarily agree with, I'm patient. I breathe. I say, okay, cool. Let's give it a shot. And then I'll ask a simple question. If we give this a chance for a week or two, whatever time we can agree on right now, and we come back to you and tell you that it's not working, can we have an open discussion about going back the other way or trying it a different way? Generally, the manager is going to be like, sure, that's great, because you came at it with a well-thought-out, centered, grounded response rather than an emotional reaction. Because if you emotionally react at your boss over a change they want to make, they're going to emotionally react back and think you're insubordinate, think you're not listening to them, think that they don't, you don't know what, you don't think, hold on, slow down, Jess. They will think, you think they don't know what they're doing. So you've got to take as long as necessary. If that means saying, okay, 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 and then walking away, going in the deep freezer, going in the bathroom, grabbing a pillow, screaming into it, whatever it takes, don't freak out on them. The longer you take to react, 
the closer to an emotionally centered response you will be able to muster up. I promise you, this works every time. It might mean that you you need to walk away and you don't want to talk about that for a day, a week, a month. Do whatever the boss told you to do. And if it means you have to sit there and begrudgingly do it. Now, we've talked about this, holding on to emotional anger and how that's just going to eat you up inside. You've definitely got to figure a way to reconcile with the situation you found yourself in and just say, okay, okay, this is what they want to do. And we're going to go with it. 21 days later, it could become a habit you couldn't even imagine living without. And if in 21 days, it's still a dumbass hell idea, you should go go and figure out an emotionally balanced way to bring that up to your boss. But the longer you take to react, the closer you are going to get to an emotionally balanced, centered response. And that's the way we want to live our lives where we're not getting emotionally triggered and freaking out on people. Screaming at somebody at the grocery store because you've got to stand six feet away from this person or that person or because somebody's not wearing their mask is is not the way to behave. You don't want to be that person everyone's looking at like, what the hell's wrong with this cuckoo kachoo? All right? Start small. You don't have to all of a sudden become patient with every single moment in your life, but start small. Somebody leaves a fork in the sink at the, at the house. Do you really need to freak out on them? Or do you just put it in the dishwasher and the next time you see them say, hey, you know, when you're done with your dirty dishes, if you could just put them in the dishwasher after you rinse them off, that would be really great. I just really enjoy having a clean sink basin. I enjoy clean countertops. It just allows me to feel like there's less chaos when I walk into the kitchen. Right? Start small. Ask them to do something and then just give them a well-thought-out reason. Show them that you are actually emotionally connected to why you want that kitchen clean. They are going to learn from your emotional um, from your emotional triggerings to that and realize, oh, okay, this person's actually thought about this and this is something that's important to them. Right? There's an emotional connection that they have with the cleanliness of their kitchen. And I want to make sure that when they walk in there, they feel happy because I want them to be happy. One day you're going to come up with something equally ridiculous, you know, like, I don't know, folding socks instead of rolling them up at the end. And you're going to want them to care about that. Um, Here's another one. Ask yourself, what's the worst thing that can happen if this thing doesn't happen right now or in whatever time frame you're freaking out about, right? So I I don't get to have my book out right now. We're having issues with the printer, Right there, there were some things that went down with the ebook typesetting that was out of my control. There's some issues with the printing because they're laying off people and furloughing at these factories that print books. Right. So, what's the worst thing that can happen right now? <laughs> the worst thing that can happen is that the book just doesn't come out for another month or two. The book is written; it's ready to go. Now I actually have the op- opportunity to have one copy sent to me and one copy sent to my editor. So I actually have a paper version in my hands and I get to go through that with a fine tooth comb and make sure I'm happy with the way each page is laid out, that there aren't any misspellings, there aren't any commas. I mean, surely some of those things are still going to go through, but for the most part, I have a chance to really get into the book and make sure I'm extremely happy with the way that it looks rather than trying to rush it out for what? The school semester is technically ending. Fall starts in a few months that's when people are going to be looking for a college success habit book. Everybody else who just generally wants the book will find it whenever it's out. I'm not going to necessarily lose any sales. So the worst thing that happens is I just don't get to 
hold it in my hand and sell it to people. In two weeks, I'm getting a copy sent from the UK who isn't having printing issues. And once I have that in my hand, I'll be able to go through it again, read it. I'll be able to do some really cool videos of it on Instagram and Facebook Live. I'll be able to introduce people to it, show it that, oh, look, it exists. That's the worst thing that can happen is that I just have to wait. The best thing that can happen is that I actually get a chance to read it and make sure that it's as perfect as it perfect can be, and then get it out, right? There is no such thing as perfection. In fact, most perfection is just procrastination that's hiding a fear. But that's not the situation. Right now, the situation is it just can't get printed because these places are so overwhelmed with the work that was already in their queue, they're not ready for me yet. Ask yourself, are you making a scene because this is actually upsetting or because you want the attention? When you're freaking out at the store, is it because you lack power in other areas of your life, so you want to usurp your power somewhere else where they have to take it? I see this happen a lot when people cross cross the crosswalks here in Los Angeles. It's like they go super slow, or they're staring at their phone, or they're just otherwise acting ambivalent and just like nothing around them matters. Meanwhile, they're pokeying across the crosswalk, and that's somebody else's green arrow to turn right. I believe that it's they act this way because they lack power in so many other areas of their life that they're taking that moment right there to enforce what little power they have. If they walk slowly across the crosswalk, I can't turn. Therefore, they have the power over this situation. So I just laugh. I just laugh. And we'll bring that up here in a second. So another thing to keep in mind on how to be patient, stop doing things that aren't important. If you've got something that's super important that you want to get done that day, do it first. Don't decide that you're going to mop the kitchen floor or reorganize your sock drawer. Get to the thing that matters the most so that if there is a hurdle you have to overcome during the process of achieving this one particular task or goal that you've set for your day, that there's time. You've got a cushion built in. When people show up late to things in Los Angeles, and I know that there's like four apps that they could have, you know, Google Maps, Apple Maps, Waze. I'm sure there's another. So maybe it's only three I know of. <laughs> there's those three apps. You could easily put your destination into that three hours before you're ready to leave the house. So you know exactly when you should go. If it says it's going to take an hour to get there, leave an hour and 15 minutes before that. In case the traffic pattern changes, it's not as easy to find a parking space. Again, what's the problem with waiting, people. Most of us are standing around, sitting around, playing on our technology devices anyways. You got a phone. If you get there 10 minutes before somebody else, now you can check emails, check your Instagram, record a TikTok. There's plenty of things that you can be doing to spend that 10 minutes. So get there early. And I don't want to hear none of this, oh, traffic this, traffic that. Man, you could have put this address into your Google Maps three hours ago and you would have not been late. This is why I get upset when people are late, because they're not honoring my time. I showed up on time because I honor theirs and mine. They should have that equal respect. Going back to the needing attention thing, if you're lacking power in your life, you need to figure that out and stop taking it out on employees at businesses because you know that they can't fight back. Stop doing things that aren't important, and I guarantee you will buy plenty of more time in your day. Then at the end of the day, you can go organize your sock drawer when you're on the phone with your cousin or or your family members or your friend. Yeah, that's a great time to reorganize a sock drawer. 
for me, it actually keeps me focused on the phone call whenever I'm fidgeting and, and doing these little brain dead tasks. Like right now, when I shoot this podcast, I have to put focus. I have to focus. I have to focus. So therefore, I'm pacing back and forth in like this little six to eight foot area. As the length, the length of my cord on my headset is about six feet. So I, will, I can pace that much distance away from the recorder device. And so that's what I do because it helps me stay focused. I don't want to be organizing a sock drawer right now, but I definitely need to be moving. So stop doing things that aren't important whenever you know there's more important things coming around that you really want to have time to spend and appreciate and make sure that you do your best during that activity. The last one I have here on how to be patient, make yourself wait. I love doing this when it comes to food. I love doing this when it comes to uh, opening presents. I just... To me, anticipation is like 90% of the reward for that delicious steak or that delicious cookie or that chocolate cream pie dessert. It's the anticipation of having it that can last as long as you desire it to. Right? I love it when somebody's like, oh man, I got we're going to do this really cool thing. I'm not going to tell you about it, but make sure you clear up your schedule. 21 days from today, we are going to go do this super dope thing. That's awesome. I get 21 days to look forward to this super awesome thing they just talked about. Put it on my calendar. Super awesome. Can't wait. 21 days of anticipation. Now, the actual event could have been going to the amusement park, going to the zoo, going and seeing Cirque du Soleil, whatever it is. It's only going to be a few hours, maybe half or a full day. But I got to enjoy that anticipation of it for 21 days. Think about if you've ever gone on a really awesome trip. You book it with your family or your friends or your partner. And you have this month or two or three to think about, I can't wait. We're going to go to Italy or we're going to go to France or we're going to go to Yellowstone. We're going to go to Mount Rushmore or whatever it might be. You have that anticipation of it. That's the journey part. Right? The destination, you get there and you're like, oh, this is amazing. But then you've looked at Mount Rushmore for an hour and it's over. And you're, you're loving that you got to go. And that's a great memory that you'll be able to talk about. But the anticipation lasted a whole month, whereas the moment lasted an hour. So make yourself wait. I'm telling you, I love doing this. I loved it about Christmas. I always opened up my presents slow when I was a kid. I was always the last one with presents. Not because I wanted everybody to watch me open presents, but I just wanted to elongate the entire, the entire morning. I wanted the whole process to just last a long time. I wanted to savor it. And I still do that to myself as an adult, and I love it. Because I don't have a scarcity mindset. I know that whatever is coming will happen. If it doesn't, you know, the Corona took away a Pearl Jam concert. It took away a Keen concert. It took away a couple really cool events I'd been looking forward to doing. But that's okay. They'll come back around. I have patience. I know as soon as they launch their tour again, Pearl Jam's got a ticket waiting for me. I can't wait. You've got to remember what's important. Right? You have to remember what is important about this moment. What's important about this situation? What's important about this task? Right? Figure out what's important. And it will allow patients to fill the void where perhaps frustration, impatience, or whatever the negative emotion might be, patients can fill that void 
with this book. I just want to be able to hold it in my hands. I want to be able to talk about it with people. I want to go to college campuses. I want to go to addiction centers. I want to be able to hold classes and workshops centered around this book. I'm so excited for this book to be in my hands. So I ordered one from the United Kingdom. I will have that in my hands. I'll be able to start talking about it. And at some point, it'll get into your hands. That's what's important. What's important is that it gets into people's hands and it helps guide them through the change they want in their lives so they can live their best life and they can reach for their meant to be in life. Having it come out on May 21st is not what's important. The change that it it will evoke in people, that's what's important. And that's what's helping me calm down right now when otherwise I would have freaked out. A couple what ifs before we wrap up this episode. Um, What if there is a deadline, right? You want patience, but there's a deadline. Somebody was supposed to get you something so you could turn it in to somebody else, right? Like there's a crescendo effect. You know, if if employee number, let's say there's a hierarchy of order and we'll go employee one is the boss and employee five is the, your subordinates and your number three. If employee five doesn't get something done and turned into employee four so they can finish something in order to get it to you, employee three, so that you can then pass on your work along with their work to employee two, who ultimately gets it to the CEO, employee one, right? There's this chain, right? So if there's a deadline and somebody's not fulfilling theirs, which causes the entire you know house of cards to collapse, you have to ask yourself, were you super clear on the consequences of a late entry? Were you super clear about the consequences? One of my coaches, Matt Ronning, uh, whenever his son wants to play video games rather than study, he'll frame it this way. Okay, if you want to keep playing video games, the consequence if you don't study and get a good grade on the next test is that you don't get to play video games until you get your grades up. So if you want to keep playing video games now and you don't get a good grade on that test, the consequence will be no video games later until your grades are up. Then if his son comes back with a less than great grade, now he can say, okay, well, I told you the consequence was if you didn't get a good grade that you weren't going to be able to play video games. So I'm sorry, we have to take away the Nintendo now. His kid can't throw a hissy fit. I mean, he can throw a hissy fit, but but Matt can simply say, hey, this isn't my, I don't want to do this to you. I want you to have your Nintendo. I want you to be able to play and have fun. But I told you, that if you didn't get good grades, the consequence would be that Nintendo went away. You chose to play Nintendo instead of studying, and now you don't have a good grade. You did this to yourself. Now the onus is on them. So were you clear about the consequences of a failed deadline being met or a failed uh, a failure on a grade for a test? Were you clear about the consequences? Clear communication is the most important thing you can have with any human you have an interaction with, whether it be a restaurant employee, the ticket traveling agent, your kids, your spouse, your partner, whatever it might be, clear communication about consequences of what it is you would like versus what it is that they can deliver. For another one I have here for what if is where can you take responsibility for the lateness? Where can I take responsibility for what's happening right now with my book? I can go all the way back to when I got the very first draft to the editor, and she sent it back to me for review, and I didn't touch it for 30 days. I had fear over whether it was a good book. I had fear over whether people were going to like it. I had fear over whether I was happy with what I wrote. I had all these you know, random BS 
fears that kept me from even opening it and rereading it to see what I thought of it. So I let that sit. Between review number two and three, there was a few weeks. Now, by the time review four came, I was getting them out much faster, but now we're talking about spring. So there was plenty of opportunities I had in there where I could have accelerated this that I did not. This could have technically, we had originally wanted it out for the beginning of spring semester. And I push, 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 push. We may have not have gotten out by January, but it certainly could have been out by February. But instead, I, I, there were some lags, like I just mentioned, with my editing results, my revisions that I was supposed to be turning in. There were times where I was not moving as fast as I could have been. There were also times where I did not have clear communication with the editor or the designer about what it was I expected from them. So rather than be able to tell the designer of the book cover, this is not at all what I'm looking for, please redo the entire thing, I would hem-haw around. So then by the seventh time they sent a revision, they were finally getting to what I really wanted to begin with. My lack of communication caused the designer to spend way more time than than he really needed to because I was afraid of just putting my foot down and saying, this is what I want, bring this back, or don't bring back anything at all. I should have communicated clear. That's where I could take responsibility with the with the book cover. And I should have stepped up and worked as fast as I knew I could have when it comes to the editing. And maybe I wouldn't be in this situation. Maybe I would be. That's, that's beside the point. At least I know I can take responsibility for this delay. By, t- by me taking responsibility, I don't have any negative emotions towards the editor, the uh, the designer, the, the lawyers, the publisher. I have no negative emotions because I've accepted my responsibility in this and that's what's important. Lack of clear communication, lack of communication in general, a lack of understanding of the consequences for not doing something on time or correctly. This is what's going to set projects back. This is what's going to cause you to be impatient. And this is what's going to cause you to be upset about things. You have to understand, where was the lack of follow-through on your part? Where was the lack of planning that led to this emergency? When you can bring that around and you can start to take responsibility for what part you played in things, you'll be able to have the patience toward others that you need to have toward yourself. Patience is extremely important in this time because of the corona quarantine and everything else. I know that you can see patience in a whole new light now because of the way I've broken it down for you. I look forward to you being able to go back and listen to this episode and seeing how things can be done differently in the future and perhaps going back and looking at some situations where you didn't show the best amount of patience and then thinking to yourself, what could I have done differently there? How could my reaction been tempered in favor of a response that would have led to a better outcome? Remember, a lack of planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on someone else's. Patience isn't just a virtue. It's damn near a necessity because things are not going to go the way that you always want. And when we were using and acting the fool, patience was not something that we necessarily really strived to have or to expect within ourselves. And was certainly not something we probably gave other people very much. But now we're stepping into sobriety and we're moving into addiction recovery. And patience is one of those principles. Being patient is something that will just, it will save your ass time and time again. Because no one likes somebody sitting there tapping their foot, giving them a nasty-ass look when they're doing their best. And if they're not doing their best, whatever. Get your interaction with them done, 
walk out of there, laugh, say, oh, well, that's just the way things go sometimes, and move on with your day. It can take one second for you to say something stupid. It can take one second for an accident because of road rage to go down. And it can take you a lifetime to heal from that accident. It can take you days, weeks, months to roll back that negative thing you said to that person and get them to like you again, to get them to trust you again. Hell, you say the wrong thing at a job to a boss and you might find yourself on the unemployment line. It takes one second to have impatience and it can take the rest of your life to make up for that. It Wouldn't it just be better to go into things with patience? And if you're wondering how to do it and you still haven't figured it out, might I recommend going back to the beginning of this episode. You know how much I love you all and I want you nothing but the best. Keep being awesome. I hope that this has been a well-spent 45 minutes every time. I tell myself I'm going to come in under 30 minutes. I don't. (laughs) I don't know what to do about that yet. (laughs) I will figure it out. All right, everyone. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Nothing but love for you. Take care. We'll talk again next week. Bye-bye. 